When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to another Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Bill Landis, Ari Wasserman, your Cleveland.com Ohio State coverage team. We're going to talk some Oklahoma. Ohio State's biggest non-conference game got more interesting with the departure of Bob Stoops at Oklahoma. So normally on this podcast, what do we do? Just make stuff up, right? We Buckeye talk. But not based on any actual information or knowledge. We mostly just wing it. Yeah. But we have an actual guest with knowledge. Because of my personal connections as a celebrity. Go there. Ari, Ari's very big in Norman, Oklahoma. <laughs> he, he follows me too. Does he? Yeah, he's a college football writer. Oh, he okay. Follows college football writers. Okay, sorry. Don't. I, I'm still going to take the credit. Okay. Ari's best friend Ryan Aber, <laughs> who's the uh, Oklahoma beat writer for the Oklahoman. Um, he doesn't follow me. Is going to join us on this podcast to talk about Bob Stoops' departure, why it happened, what it says about Urban Meyer, what it says about this game this year. Oklahoma, as you know, comes to Columbus second week of the year for a primetime game. Uh, the Buckeyes went to Oklahoma a year ago and won on the road um, in Norman, and so this is the payback game. But it's, it's very interesting. Lincoln Riley is their new head coach. He's a very young head coach uh, in his 30s. How old is he? Like 30. Lincoln Riley is 33, I think. Like, it's, I mean, it's crazy to think about. I'll look it up. He's barely older than Ari. Can you imagine if <laughs> Ari was just... running a college football program? Like, when you said he's 33, I'm thinking 33. of myself. I'm still... September uh, 1983 in Lubbock, Texas. I microwave my dinners. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that, I think, is a future podcast. <laughs> what would it look like if Ari Wasserman ran a college football program? <laughs> um, you'd actually probably be pretty good at recruiting. I actually feel like we, I'd have the best graphics team. I've, I've actually, like, all the time think of things... Like I would do if I were in the graphics department, like Master Teague, I would call him Master T and like make a No Limit Records Master P replica and send it to him. Like that'd be awesome. Is 1995 still relevant with 18 year old? No, but but it is. But your rap knowledge is genuine. You wouldn't have to force it. Yes, and that would go a long way. I don't know if kids would get Master P or not, but like I think if you put them on the album and you, I don't know. But yes, I know a lot about the rap. World, but I think you got to know a little bit more about rap than to just be good at making graphics. I think you kind of have to be youthful. Like there's things that you couldn't fake because you're old. Yeah, but you wear <laughs> flat brim baseball caps. The kids like that. But I, I don't know if I'm trying to be. A, I mean, I just think they look. I mean, 
That's the that official wasn't style. With, like, is it not in style age. anymore? It's still in style for for us, yeah. I feel like every if like you go a, to an Indians game, fifty percent of the people at the Indians game are wearing a flat brimmed Indians hat. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's that yeah. much of a fashion statement. But that's what, but out. that's what recruits would wear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm dad saying, hats are actually the thing that's in right now. Yeah. Dad hats are in. Like they're expensive. Like the yeah. ones that are floppy and like you, like you know what I'm talking about. Where and then the the things are Tacma hats. Yeah. Those are like really expensive at PacSun right now. They're like thirty five bucks to get like old school like Adidas starter stuff. Like those are what's really in. Like if you go to like the like Oakland A's hat that I wear is not like what I would say is fashionably in right now. So it's a bent brim or no? Yes, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Bent it brim com- is it comes, back. It comes bent. Yeah, it comes bent because nobody because kids today are too lazy to bend their own brims. Yeah. Oh my God, what's yeah. wrong with the like world? these hats? They're back. Really? Dad hats. And they're actually called dad hats. And they're then when you called go, dad hats? And in the back... So I just call those hats. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I, like, if you went to Disney World, I bet your, your, your closet could be potentially valuable right now. If you started rocking some Disney ones. Are, is it, it going to come back around that, like, plaid shirts from Kohl's are, like, yeah. the new... Like, Ohio State recruits can start wearing them? I mean, plaid has... The thing that I want to know is, has plaid ever gone out of style? Because, like, I was looking at pictures of my dad when I was a kid, and he was wearing plaid shirts... And they're very similar to the ones that I wear to interviews. Yeah. And I just like want to know, was there ever a period of time where it was not right, like where pl- nobody wore plaid at all? Because I feel like plaid has been pretty constant. No, I feel I think like maybe the size of the plaid and the colors involved have yeah. changed. But I think the, at, at its heart, plaid never goes out of style. Kind of like Buckeye talk. Um, <laughs> I don't so, even, what were we talking about? I don't even know. So listen, so we have Ryan Aber. You should go follow him. On Twitter, if you if you're near a Twitter machine right now, it's R Y A B E R, and this will get you ahead of the game um, for the uh, Ohio State Oklahoma game because you're an Ohio State fan, you want to know information about the enemy, right? So R Y A B E R Ryan Aber, um, or you can go to newsok.com. So we're going to bring him in in a bit, talk about this, but we're going to give some of our reaction on this a little bit. Um, do you and we are an Oklahoma experts. We're not trying to be Oklahoma experts. That's why we got an Oklahoma expert. How big of a deal does this feel like to you? That Oklahoma are they going to be in the top five? Like Ohio State's definitely going to be in the top five in the preseason poll, and they're not going to lose their first game. So Ohio State's going to be a top five team when these two teams play. Is Oklahoma going to be a top five team? What were they last year? No, I, I, don't, I think they're going to be. They finished high. I but got my. What were they uh, in the game last year? Well, Oklahoma had oh, lost, they lost the week to before. Houston. Where did they start the season at? Do you remember? I think they might have been in the top five. Top five. Because I think that like this year, unlike last year, Oklahoma's not going to lose their opener. Who are they I, open with? UTEP. I just pulled up the first early 2017 rankings I could find. This is from Sports Illustrated. It has Oklahoma number seven. And what do they have Ohio State, two? Ohio State is number four. Four. Okay. So it definitely could be a top five matchup, mm-hmm. right? Um, but what do, you, what do you think it means? I mean, uh, I know after Bob Stoops retired, I know a lot of people were putting out the information that there's only, I think, four active coaches now who have won national championships. Yeah. Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, and Jimbo Fisher. Mm-hmm. And Bob Stoops had been number five because he had a national championship. And I mean, that is, you can take it for granted when Urban Meyer is your head coach, but that is a hard thing to do. So this was a battle a year ago that was two national championship head coaches, and now it's not going to be. What What do you think of that? I don't know... Um... How much it impacts the game, really? Because the offensive coordinator, who was the offensive coordinator last year, takes over. He's still coordinating the offense. 
defensive coordinator, who was Mike Stoops, is still coordinating the defense. Um, so from an X's and O's standpoint, I'm not so, so sure how much it impacts the game, but I can't imagine. Like, it's not a good thing for a football program to lose its head coach in June. Um, so it's surprising. It, take, it, it In a weird way, it takes a little bit of, of the luster off the game for me. I don't know if it does for you guys, but like, I thought Urban Meyer versus Bob Stoops like brought a, a little something to that matchup, aside from it just being two uh, presumably top ten teams. Like Bob Stoops versus Urban Meyer is a big deal. You usually don't get those kind of matchups unless you're talking about the college football playoff. They played each other in a national championship right. game before, right? I mean, so that, I don't know, does it change any, what Oklahoma played Florida? Didn't oh, play sorry, teams? I thought you meant Ohio State. I was like, that's not true. You missed that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, where, does it change anything for you, Aaron? You know, I, I think that, Here's the way I look at it, and I don't know, you guys have known over the years of these predictions that we all make together that I'm kind of like, look at it straight on and I don't overthink things. I think right now, if I looked at the Oklahoma roster and I look at the Ohio State roster returning based on what we saw last year, granted Oklahoma did start playing a lot better at the end of last year, but I think Ohio State was heads and sh- head and shoulders better than, than Oklahoma last year. And we know what Ohio State's issues were offensively. We watched them all year, and... and to me, those were, there was two teams on that field, and one was clearly better than the other. And I don't know how much better. I would slightly disagree with that. I would say I, Noah, I, I said Noah Brown was way better than the terrible cornerback. I, I have, a, I have a point to make about that when you're done. But, go but ahead. my only point is that I think, and you guys will agree with me on this, that the general idea of this being a home game, the roster Ohio State's returning, what happened last year, um, the fact that uh, Oklahoma lost their two best offensive playmakers, uh, to me, I just feel like Ohio State was probably going to be more than a touchdown favorite to win that game anyway. So when you say about the luster of it, I think that Oklahoma has all the players that they were going to have with with Stoops regardless. Um, they have a young hot shot coach that could be the next Bob Stoops. I think that what's going to happen on the field um, might change a little bit, but I think that what's going to happen in that game is going to happen in that game regardless. Um, even though I'm not trying to say that it's not a big deal that Bob Stoops left. Anytime you lose a head coach, like Bill said, it's a big deal. But in terms of how I would view that game going into it, I don't know if the week of when I'm making the predictions or I'm thinking about who's going to win that game, I'm going to say, well, Bob Stoops isn't there. Give Ohio State another 10 points. I mean, it's, it, the one thing is um, Urban Meyer made a big deal about this last year with a young team, with young players, and how many guys – on that roster had not gone on the road for a big game like that before and all the things that go into that. This is going to be Lincoln Riley's first road game as a head coach. And so I think there's a at least small part of that. Um, again, he's been part of staffs that have done it. And they are, you know, Mike's is – who's the – One's Mark and one's Mike. Who's Mike the, is the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. Mark is the head coach at, Texas, okay. or at uh, Kentucky. Yep. So Mike Stoops has been around it. Like mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like he's going to be flying blind, but it's going to be interesting for him, and it's going to be different for Lincoln Riley in this game than it would have been for Bob Stoops. So I do think that... I mean, a first is a first. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And that's why veterans... I mean, it's like one of those things. It's like people give veterans credit for stuff a lot of time because you've been around and you understand stuff. So then you have to take some stuff away from the new guys because you can't credit the veterans without acknowledging that the new guys are not as prepared for it. Um, but two things. One thing is I do think Oklahoma was a completely different team in a lot of ways by the end of the year last year that Ohio State fans, if you were an Ohio State fan whose impression of Oklahoma is Ohio State blew them off the field, they had a clear issue at cornerback going into that game last year. That's true. And that guy, I think, got benched soon afterward, or there was an injury, or they 
they had a second, the second corner spot for them was an issue that they worked out by the end of the year, but Ohio State exploited like crazy. Um, and was there a second point I had? Probably because you were disagreeing with me. Yeah. So I think they were. I think it might. I think it might be easy for Ohio State fans to fall into a trap of like Oklahoma stinks. Oh, and D.D. Westbrook, who now is gone, so it doesn't matter. But he like was a Heisman finalist and like didn't do much in that game. He was injured too. Okay, but yeah, he was playing yeah. hurt. So Ohio State fans did not see the best of Oklahoma when actually. If they would have played in o- December, it would have been different. Oklahoma, Oklahoma got so better as the year went on, and Ohio State got worse. Right. Yeah. Ohio State, I think, is it fair to say Ohio State played its best game of the year in that game? Well, the yeah. thing that I don't like about that is you can't take away what Ohio State did by correct diminishing Oklahoma and then go back and say Ohio State played its best game. Like, I think there was kind of one or the other on that. Like, they played well, obviously. To ever well, beat a team that has as much... There's nobody on their Big Ten schedule outside of Penn State and Michigan last year that had nearly as much talent. And, you know, mm-hmm. the Cleveland.com uh, Ohio State coverage team is a big proponent of recruiting rankings and talent. And I think Oklahoma has that. And that's yeah. always a major factor. Um, so to do what Ohio State did to them, regardless of whether or not they found a um, cornerback issue or they found something to exploit... To win the way they did on the road like that with the team as young as they did, I think you have to give them credit for that. I, and but, I do, but, yeah, but there's a but. There's a but. Go ahead. What's your but? Well, my but is I don't know that anybody would dispute that they weren't. They got worse. That's not what they played like every week. And like, All the credit in the world to Ohio State for going out and doing that, but that is not so you, what they played like every week. Is that a fair statement? But are yeah. you saying that they played that way because of two things? They played really well, just that was one of their better games, and they found the weakness, or did they play well as a result of the weakness? I don't know if I agree that it could be both. So I guess the thing that, because all the, the reason we're talking about it is because we're trying to inform what's going to happen in the 2017 game, and what I would want to say to fans is, if your first takeaway at the moment of this game is, Ohio State went on the road and handled Oklahoma pretty well, last year, and now Oklahoma is coming to Columbus without its head coach. And my impression then is Ohio State is going to have an easy time with Oklahoma again because in the head-to-head matchups, you know, you figure if they're going to split, Ohio State's already played the harder game. So if you think Ohio State's automatically going to win, all I'm saying is I think in the game last year, that was Ohio State at its best in 2016 and that was not Oklahoma out at, at its best in 2016. So that should inform what you think about 2017. So if I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't disagree with you uh, at all. I do think that it felt, being in Norman, the three of us, that Ohio State had superior talent. I agree with that. Yeah. And I don't know how much that can change. Granted, Ohio State did lose players, like they do a lot of the times, but if you assume that they can replace them with other similarly talented players, not NFL draft picks, we're never going to say that, uh, on this podcast at least, that Ohio State can be as good as a team that lost three players in the first round in the same position group. But if you are superior talent-wise, and it felt that way, regardless of whether or not they found a weakness, I think that is going to play some factor in the way that I view that game the week of. I agree with that. I think the other thing is, Ohio State, we know, is replacing a lot in the secondary. I mean, they lost a historic secondary 
And the one thing we know Oklahoma has coming back is Baker Mayfield. Baker. And I think Baker Mayfield made some mistakes last year and was decent, but I definitely think he could play better. He's a crazy person. He plays like a crazy person, which means he could not look so great like he did in Norman, or he can look like Johnny Unitas. That's what I love about him. Yeah. So I think that's on the table. Here's, so here's two other things I want to say. One thing is, in the home road thing that we were just talking about, and I was saying like it's harder to win on the road, Ohio State, in these non-conference matchups, the home and homes, at least since I've been around, they lose the home game. Like, there's not a home field advantage here. I've always contended that there is not nearly the home field advantage in Ohio Stadium as people think there is. When they, and it's not a perfect thing. I understand that. But when they played Texas in 05 and 06, they lost to Texas at home and beat Texas on the road. When they played USC, they lost twice. In 08 and 09, they mm-hmm. lost at home and on the road. Uh, when they played Virginia Tech, they lost at home. They won on the road. So You can't use Miami because Miami was down. And, and Miami was down, but I, as I remember, that game was somewhat competitive here when Miami was here with Ja'Cory Harris. I can't remember. I can't remember what happened in that game. Um, and so all I'm saying is don't assume that like Ohio State wins big home games against national opponents because they don't. So the idea of, heck, they won on the road, they're definitely going to win at home. I don't. It does not apply, given past history. Uh, one benefit of listening to Buckeye talk is hearing names like Ja'Cory Harris. <laughs> that guy, everybody thought that guy was a stud. Braxton, I think. I'm trying to look up the results of that game right now because... Yeah. But The other thing is, can you imagine being a veteran coach, a veteran coordinator, and you're working for your brother, and your brother quits, and now you're working for some 33-year-old guy? What is Mike Stoops doing right now? I don't know. How much money does he make? Mike Stoops is feeling I have a job. I trust. I know from personal experience. Um, Which known, one do you know, though? Mike, the defensive coordinator. You don't know the guy at Kentucky? I knew them both. They were both coordinators at Arizona. Oh, I was confused because I was trying to figure out which one you knew. You know both? But so, but do you think – so you know Mike Stoops a little bit because Ari went to Arizona, so he was a coach there when Ari was covering the team at Arizona. Knowing Mike Stoops, would you think – wouldn't anyone think this – I'm a, there's two coordinators, two coordinators. The head coach, who is your brother, leaves. I don't have any extra, extra expertise on this. I think that's just they obvious. They give yeah. your, the head coaching job to one of the two coordinators. And it's not you, like the 50-year-old guy. It's the 33-year-old guy. And don't forget and you that. you think to yourself, yeah, that's cool. And don't forget they give it to the guy that's never been a head coach before. And you just think, and you're like. And his brother kind of seemed in on it. Like, he was, like, excited to hand the team over to Lincoln Riley. Like, I don't know. The thing that was interesting <laughs> he was? is... Yeah, he was like, I, like uh, if I'm remembering correctly, oh, Bob, Bob, Bob Soups was like, it's like it's oh, time right. for like Lincoln to take over, not it's time for Mike to take over. Mike, Mark, and uh, Bob have had weird... Not that they're weird, but like it was interesting because Mike Stoop left Oklahoma to be the head coach at Arizona, and then when he failed at Arizona, like his brother was like, come on back, bud. Yeah. And it's like, that was nice, too. Right. So I guess if you didn't cut it as the head coach at Arizona, you might not automatically think, I'm getting the Oklahoma job. So I guess maybe he would have some understanding. But I don't think he should have been fired at Arizona, but that's a different podcast for a different day. Yeah, I don't think we'll ever do that one. (laughs) Buckeye talk. Was Mike Stoops unfairly fired at Arizona in 2001? But but what he did, but the, the one thing I will say in relevance to this conversation is that Mike Stoops took a dormant program that was a joke, and they went to bowl games, and there was some sort of momentum in the program while he was there. 
And I think being the head coach at Arizona and trying to be a competitor when you – and remember, when he was at Arizona, USC and Oregon were really good. So I'm wondering, it'd be easier to keep the ship moving in the same direction of a program that you've been an assistant on for 10 years or more than it would be to try to rebuild Arizona in the height of USC's dominance. So you're saying he should have gotten the Oklahoma job. I mean, He's I'm not, qualified. But, like, I also could see that if they're trying to build the future and you just got rid of the Stoops, then – or the Stoops didn't want to be, then you want to turn the page on your program, too. I could see both yeah. sides of the equation. I, I did, wasn't Lincoln Riley one of the names when Tom Herman left Ohio State and people were trying to figure out who the next offensive coordinator at Ohio State was going to be? Lincoln Riley was one of the names thrown out there, and then it was like, oh, take Lincoln Riley off the list. He just took the Oklahoma offensive coordinator job. Yeah, I think, I mean, is that, I don't is that know. the right timing on that? I don't know how serious, his name certainly came up, at least from, from a fan perspective. Like, even last year when they wanted a change in offensive coordinator and Ohio State hired Kevin Wilson, like, people wanted Ohio State to use the money that it has and go get the most successful, um, like, young up-and-coming offensive coordinator out there, and that's Lincoln Riley. The problem is he makes $1.3 million. And Ohio State wasn't going to pay that. All right, now I'm looking at Lincoln Riley, trying to figure out when he started at Oklahoma. I think 2015, I think was his first year. Why you guys? So that was Herman. So that yeah. was so like so. In that off season, Oklahoma got Lincoln Riley, and Ohio State got Tim Beck. And there it is. And, and Georgia sucks. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I saw someone retweet. It was like, who did they just get from? Who did Ohio State just get from Georgia? They got Master T. Master T was a Georgia target, though. But apparently, like Georgia people on Georgia recruiting message boards were like talking about Ohio State taking all their players. They said that there was like oh, an yeah. older brother I complex. I saw that on Twitter too. Yeah, I can't remember who retweeted it, but it was like a screen- Jay Book. Jay Book. Yeah, it was a it was, yeah. screenshot of of uh, Georgia message board fans going, "Why does Ohio State have a superiority complex over us?" Like it was like a deliberate thing of like, "Screw Georgia." <laughs> if anybody has the complex fans. This is the place. Um, but Master Teague was one of their guys, and uh, Ohio State offered him and got him. So Okay, well, we'll let's get to Ryan. We'll, I want to come back to this now. I want to come back to Master Teague and how this all went down a little bit. we we'll get some questions about him, too. But let's go to Ryan Aber uh, from the Oklahoman. Again, you can follow him on Twitter, at R-Y-A-B-E-R. And we talked to him about Bob Stoops, Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma, and most importantly, this Oklahoma-Ohio State game coming up the second week of 2017. Okay, we're here with Ryan Aber, the Oklahoma beat writer for the Oklahoman, to talk about um, what Ohio State fans should expect from the Sooners when they visit uh, Ohio Stadium this season. Uh, again, no Bob Stoops for this. Um, so, Ryan, like off the bat, this is a very broad question, but I think it's really at the heart of what we're trying to get to. The fact that Lincoln Riley is going to be the head coach for this game in Columbus instead of Bob Stoops, does that make it more likely that Oklahoma can come to Columbus and win, less likely that Oklahoma can win, or does it really not have an effect because it's the same players? I really don't think it's going to have too much of an effect. I mean, Lincoln Riley uh, has ran the offense and shown that he can do that effectively. It's clearly there will be some decision-making things that will be a little bit different from Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley, but uh, on the whole, I wouldn't expect one of those situations to make the difference in, in a game like this. Uh, the defense is going to be the same. Mike Stoops is going to have control of that. Obviously, Lincoln Riley, I imagine, will have less likelihood of interjecting himself there, but uh, in all likelihood, I don't think that's going to have an effect on the outcome of this game. 
Ryan, I know Lincoln Riley's been there um, for a while, and this is his offense, but was there ever any thought that maybe there were things that Lincoln Riley wanted to do that maybe Bob Stoops didn't want to happen, and, and now that it's Lincoln Riley's show that maybe he expands the playbook, um, maybe brings some things out that Oklahoma fans haven't seen. I'm just wondering if, if the offense changes at all, because now like Lincoln Riley doesn't have to answer to anybody, really. Yeah, I, I think when you look down the line in the future, when you talk about recruiting and, and what his recruiting philosophy is versus uh, Bob Stoops's, I mean, the, the main thing is when Lincoln Riley was brought in, he was brought in to bring the air raid back to Norman. OU was one of the first places that that offense really flourished nationally. When Mike Leach came over during Bob Stoops' first year, they would really gone away from it. And when they brought in Lincoln Riley, though, they also had, Samaje uh, P. Ryan and Joe Mixon in the backfield. Uh, so Lincoln Riley had to integrate those guys, had to figure out a way to, to run the ball uh, quite a bit uh, in, in his offense, which is something he really didn't do at East Carolina, didn't do uh, much at Texas Tech, and certainly Mike Leach didn't do that much at Texas Tech. So it'll be interesting to see now without P. Ryan and Mixon how that offense looks with the running backs. Do they still... Uh, feed a featured running back or two the way that they've done the last few years is that they go away from that and just uh, look at you know six wide receivers across the field and trying to get the ball to all those guys rather than run it. Ryan, um, obviously Ohio State's had a lot of success over the course of the past few years with Urban Meyer, um, you know, playing at a pretty high level, and a lot of people have you know, build this game and this two-year home-and-home series between Oklahoma and Ohio State as some of the most important or biggest non-conference games in the entire college football slate. How would you analyze right now, given the surprise that Stoops stepped down, the actual culture of the Oklahoma program? Um, are things on the rise? Um, did this change need to be made? How are people reacting to this big, you know, change within the program? And is this game as big from a national perspective and from Ohio State's perspective than maybe it would had this change not occurred? Yeah, I, I don't think that this, this game has lost any of its luster based on Bob Stoops leaving and Lincoln Riley taking over. I think it's just taken on a little bit of a different look uh, because of that dynamic. And, and certainly the expectation level for Oklahoma hasn't changed, so I don't think the, the importance of this game has changed for them. They want to win a national championship and get back to the college football playoff. And certainly, if they're going to do that, this game is going to be huge in that regard. And also, as you look for the, the chances for the Big 12 as a whole to be relevant nationally, this is a, a big game because there's been a lot of talk about the struggles with Big 12. Obviously, there was the expansion talk a year ago, and that uh, didn't wind up coming to fruition. There's been a lot more talk about the future of the Big 12 this year. And uh, this game, as much as any other, Texas has a couple of, of marquee games. They play USC. And, but uh, this is one for the conference to sort of uh, stay its flag into if they can figure out a way to get a win up there in Columbus. One of the things I think we were curious about is Bob Stoops is 56, Urban Meyer's 52. They're both national championship head, head coaches who have been around for a long time. Um, I think whenever you see a move like this happen, it's natural for a fan base to say, well, what does that maybe say or, or not say about my head coach? So for people who are just thinking about Urban Meyer, what did you see in Bob Stoops of 
why this happened, why he chose this. Did you see any burnout at all in the last couple years? And and from someone who's covered the team for several years, why do you think he chose to step away from a very successful college football team at the age of 56? Well, I honestly haven't seen any burnout from Bob Stoops over the last few years. If nothing else, I think especially beginning with the, the Sugar Bowl win over Alabama a few years ago, and then I, they dropped off a little bit that next season, got back to the college football playoff two years ago. I think there was a, a re-energy. He was re-energized by, uh, by that, that, those moves. And uh, I, I think more than anything, when you look at Bob Stoops' family history, his father was 54 years old when he died on the football field of a heart attack when he was coaching uh, at Cardinal Mooney High School in uh, Youngstown, Ohio. And I I really think that uh, Bob Stoops, whether it was directly health-related, that somebody told him he's got to step down uh, and get get away from this in order to have a long, healthy life, or if it was just one of those things where he knows what happens to his dad, happened to his dad, and figured – I, I need to get on with living my life. Bob Stoops has said, really, since he got to OU, he did not want to coach uh, until he was 70 years old. He wanted to get out in time to be able to enjoy himself uh, after his career. And certainly, it happened, I think, quicker than a lot of people, myself included, expected it to happen. But I, I don't see the burn sound that uh, maybe happened with, with Urban Meyer and, and that situation. Which means also I don't see Bob Stoops also getting back into it uh, very quickly, if at all. Ryan, we know that, that this was sort of Bob Stoops leaving on his own and certainly wasn't forced out in any regard. So this question might sound a little strange, but I'm just looking at the Oklahoman website and you guys had a list of Bob Stoops' best wins. And it looks like the most recent you guys had listed was in 2010. Um, now I know that they were in the college football playoff uh, just a few years ago, but I was wondering if there was any sentiment maybe um, I guess it would be among the fan base that perhaps Bob Stoops um, had in, in, in recent years not won the big games he was supposed to win and and what they thought maybe of Oklahoma coming up here to play Ohio State and, and whether or not Bob Stoops was a guy who could still get the Sooners to win a game like that. Yeah I, I think certainly there's been some frustration among OU fans especially and, and certainly not the administration certainly not athletic director Joe Stiglione or President David Boren but the, the general OU fans there's been some frustration that they hadn't won another national championship that they hadn't played for one uh, very recently and hadn't been able to win those really big games marquee games that uh, sort of Bob Duke's uh, reputation was built on over his first few years at Oklahoma so with the change, I think there's some, some uh, thought that it will be good for the program, that Lincoln Riley, a young coach, energetic, only 33 years old, will be able to, to catch that fire that uh, made Bob Stoops so effective early in his career. So there is some, some optimism among OU fans and, and some sense of relief, frankly, that uh, this happened now and Lincoln Riley is able to take over for OU. But uh, as far as the, the game uh, here coming up this year, uh, I think that uh, that's one that Lincoln Riley can build his reputation on if he's able to figure out a way to uh, come up there and find a, find a way to beat Ohio State. So getting zeroing in on that, 
we're not Oklahoma experts. We don't expect you to be Ohio State an Ohio State expert, but you know the team that you cover. Ohio State has a, a fair amount back from last year. They're going to be very highly rated in the preseason. Do you think Oklahoma can come to Columbus and win? I mean, I guess it's, it's basically a question. The Oklahoma team that you know, are they good enough to go on the road and beat a top-five team? I think it's going to be really difficult for them because they're going to have to find some, some wide receivers that haven't played much the last couple of years. They're going to have to find some uh, running backs that haven't played much, if at all, the last couple of years. And that's really difficult against a team like Ohio State. I know that the Buckeyes have lost a, a fair amount in their secondary, but uh, you know as well as anyone the way that Ohio State has, has turned out uh, defensive backs over recent years. Uh, so I think that that's going to make it, make it really tough to come in and win this game. And then looking at the on the defensive side, uh, Oklahoma has some, some big-time questions, especially in the front seven. They're, they're, they've gotten much better last year. The year went on in the secondary. They were in a much better position at the end of the season than they were uh, when Ohio State came to Norman. But still, that's going to be a tough task. Now, can they do it? Yes, because they've got the talent uh, to be a top-five team themselves. But it will be really difficult, especially on the road in that environment, to come out with a win. That was Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman, Oklahoma beat writer. Ryan, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. You were really insightful, and uh, go, of course, we uh, appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Take care of yourself. So thanks to Ryan Aber for taking time out of his day to do that with us. Um, we're going to switch topics a little bit now. That's a lot of Oklahoma. Um, so let's get to Georgia recruiting. Master Teague, Master Teague is a Buckeye, and why, why, why is this three-star kid from from Tennessee, who everybody seems to be saying is much more talented than a three-star? Um, why is he the latest add to the Ohio State class, and what does it mean at the running back spot? Okay, um, there's a lot here, but let's address the underrated thing first, Bill. Do you want to? Um, How is he a three-star prospect? I don't know. Part of me is like. He's underrated because he was evaluated by the people who run Ohio State's football team, and they thought he was worth a scholarship offer. Um, so to that, but sometimes I wonder if it's a three-star prospect he commits to Ohio State. If like the general media just says he's underrated to make people feel better, three-star prospects come to Ohio State sometimes, and I think it's okay to call him a three-star prospect. But he's definitely going to be a four-star prospect yes. next time the ratings come. Hundred percent, because yeah. committing to Ohio State makes you a four-star prospect. Right. Um, And that's not always the case, but this early in the process, and the thing that is different about Master Teague than a lot of these other offer kids is that, like, he performed well at Alabama. He's 210 pounds, and I think Ohio State timed him at a 4.31 second 40-yard dash. He's a bigger, powerful guy. I know he's getting a lot of comparisons to Mike Weber because he's 5'11 or 5'10, 210. I I don't like that comparison, but body style I think is similar. Can I? I'm going to be hyperbolic for a second. Because we've always talked about, like, who's the next Zeke Elliott, and we think, like, J.K. Dobbins might be, like, a similar style runner. And I don't know the high school talent that Master Teague played against, but I watched his junior highlight tape, and that's the first running back I've seen Ohio State recruit, who I actually thought comparisons to Elliott in terms of running style were not crazy. He was bullying people. And then he was running away from them. He was yeah. running them over and then running away from them, and no one could catch him. I was, like, he's a, he's a track star who's 215 pounds, 5'11". So... I think the intangibles. I think any time a running back in general is that size and runs that fast, they're four stars. You know, I I don't know. Um, 
because I don't think having that type of body style and running that quickly is a very common thing. Um, but what I do know is, is that a lot of times these early ratings come out and then a lot of these five-star prospects, you know they're going to be five stars. I mean, Ohio State's offering 2020 kids right now that you know are going to be five stars in two years just because of the offer lists and, you know, they don't have ratings yet, but you can tell. And there's other types of four-star prospects and five-star prospects who go under the radar a little bit. He was only a starter for one year last year and then show up on the camp scene and then earn like 25 offers over summertime. And then the next thing you know, it's August, September, October, and they're major big-time prospects. And the reason why I would buy into Master Teague stock is because Ohio State is recruiting or was recruiting five stars, Amir White, um, from North Carolina, and he's announcing later this month that they don't even have to wait that long for him. And I think Teague took his spot. There's two ways of looking at it. One, Ohio State knows the writing's on the wall, and actually Georgia is the favorite to land Samir White. Well, congratulations to Georgia. Don't congratulate them. He's not from Georgia. They should kick him out and save that spot for a Georgia kid then. (laughs) Um, But if they thought they were going to get a five-star, there's two ways of looking at it. One, you take the guy that you think is a stud, you evaluate him in person, he has a good camp performance, he earns that camp offer, he's ready to come, they know he wants him, you take him. Bird in the hand, right? Um, But if things turn out where... They could get Zamir White. I think they would take three because Ohio State always, always, always takes top-level five-star prospects like you White. You think they could take three running backs? I don't know if they would take There's three no run- way the three running backs would all come. I think, there- with, I think that they would accept a commitment and something would happen. I, I don't know. I, the I mean, day Ohio State turns away. there, but I mean, they could use uh, three, but it would be are, crazy if they get three. Are all three of them running backs, or which one of them... Which of them are H-backs? I mean, Snead is really Sneed's, good, too. Snead's a running back. Brian Snead from Florida is a running back. Well, the only reason why I make that point is, and we can go up and down the depth chart and decide whether or not Ohio State has the numbers, we can do that all day. We know this team. The day Ohio State has the option to take a five-star prospect and don't take him will be the day that I get hit by lightning. But I've never heard... I've never heard of a team taking three legit running backs in the same class. Right, but so, so then as we all discuss that, it takes to the final point of take the guy that you like from camp and I think that's an indication, as I wrote uh, on Sunday, that Ohio State now will probably move on or knows that they were out of it with White. But that doesn't diminish how good Teague is based on the things that we've seen from him. Steve Wilfong, who's like one of the lead national guys for 247 Sports, so I think does a really good job, said that he thinks Master Teague might be the second best running back in the country behind Zamir White. And he like had an analysis post. You can go check it out. Um, like I those guys, and I, I learned this recently. I didn't know this. Like two four seven does a lot of their ratings based off film, like the real film, not just the highlight tapes. And a lot of other places just do their ratings based on what they see in camp. So I would take what Wilt Funk says. Him and Barton seriously. Simmons at twenty four seven are legit. Yeah. And uh, when we were so we saw them, we went to uh, the Cleveland opening regional, and they had notepads out, and they were like breaking down footwork, and like I like you can tell who's really doing it and who's not. Um, and he had an entire analysis post, which I embedded in my things to know about Zamir White uh, post on Cleveland.com. So you can go read everything that we wrote about him, and then in that slideshow slash story, you can go check out the uh, analysis post that Steve did. It was pretty well done. Um, but, you know, it's another big-time running back, and Brian Sneed, too, uh, the other running back from Florida who has been committed um, for months is also supposedly a big-time talent, upper-level four-star kid. So they got two really good running backs coming in. Were there any Ohio running backs they were looking at in this class? Um, not really. There's one um, from Dayton. Uh, oh, why am I forgetting his name? 
I've written about him a thousand times. It's just hard to remember. Um, (laughs) We'll just add it in later. His name is fill in running back's name here. Tavion Thomas. Tavion Thomas. Sorry, God, we're so. There's a million names. It's really hard, but he um, worked out. Has been. He's the one of the kids from Dayton as an Alabama offer. Um, and uh, he worked out at the regional in Cleveland, and you know I think that uh, Ohio State just didn't have room for him. Yeah. You know, and he released a top seven in the last two weeks that did not include Ohio State. So I think that was. You never know what'll happen um, by the time December rolls around. People decommit, things change. Uh, but at this point, I don't think that they're going for him anymore. Jalen Gill's an Ohio running back too, but he's going to be an H here. He's going to be an H. Yeah, I mean, he's like 5'11", 175. Or I might be underdoing it a little bit. Yeah. And maybe he's bigger than him. But he's like a burner. He's fast. Okay. So they have three offensive skill position players who take handoffs in high school already committed. Okay. One of which is from Westerville. Rep Westerville. Yeah. Okay. I live in Westerville. Um, do we want to talk? What else do we have? Oh, we have questions. Should we do I have questions a lot of good questions. Red Bulls. We get some decent questions. Red Bulls. Red Bulls. We could do Bread Bulls and go to questions. I think a Bread Bowl. Tell them about the Zoop thing first. Well, have you guys ever gone to Zoop? I, I, I enjoy no. going to Zoop. I actually have Zoop waiting for me at home. Fast casual soup restaurant, which <laughs> is a great. I mean, when you, when you don't want to go to Chipotle, um, when you don't want to get Asian food, right? When you don't want to get a $9 hamburger. Fast food soup is the way to go, brother. I, I think it's really good. So I, it would literally never even cross my mind to go in there. I like soup. Not that I'm saying you're wrong and it makes me curious, but it would never even dawn on me saying, I'm going to go check out this soup place for lunch. Yeah, but they don't have a – Ari immediately asked, do they have a bread bowl? They don't have a bread bowl offering to my knowledge, but I feel like the bread bowl is a scam. The bread bowl is a way to charge you for soup and give you a great big piece of bread – and you don't get that much soup. If you next time you get a bread bowl, Ari, take the bread bowl and dump out the soup and see how little soup you're getting. But here's the thing that you and I are not seeing the eye to eye on. To me, when you're eating the bread bowl, the bread's the main event. You keep thinking that the soup is the main event. To me, the most exciting anticip- the thing that I anticipate the most in a bread bowl meal is the part where I get to eat the soaked bread. But it really is just, it's giving you permission to eat 500 carbs worth of bread right. and have it make sense. Because right. if you sat down with a bowl of soup and then you had a piece of bread that size next to it, you, people would be like, what like is that person, person doing? And I would do that. But now that I have a bread bowl, I can do what I actually want to do, which is eat cream, or I mean a broccoli and cheese soup with a side, like I want, I want bread with a side of soup. Right, but all it does is make it socially acceptable to eat that much bread. Thank you for whoever made it socially acceptable. And I love bread, but that's a lot of bread, man. I like a bread bowl, but I do agree. I, I, I often find myself getting angry when I'm eating at a uh, popular uh, chain that shall remain nameless. Go ahead and rip Panera. Yeah. Go ahead and do it. Panera, put more soup in your bread bowls. Yeah. It is. It's disappointing. Like It's like, I, I bet it's not even, like, 
if you took if you took it all out and dumped it, it is not equal to one cup of soup. No, but because when you get regular, when you get like a soup and salad or a soup and sandwich at Panera, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I'm not disparaging Panera's soups. I'm no, disparaging soups how much soup you get. Because it's more expensive, right? You yes. Can, a, a bread bowl is more expensive than a regular bowl. Because it makes you think, oh, well, of course that makes sense that it's more expensive. You can eat the bowl. Yeah. It's like magic. But it's just a put-on. And you fall for it every time, Ari. I like bread. I have a question. And I don't know if I can say this word on Buckeye Talk. But it's just a business idea that my friends and I have talked about since we were like 14 years old. Would you guys go to a soup buffet that was called Soup Till You Poop? Why couldn't you say that word? I don't know. People, people don't like that word. Soup Till You Poop. I don't think you could ever put anything that does that has anything to do with excrement in the same line of food. I right? just thought it was like just funny enough to get people to walk in the door. <laughs> <laughs> just funny enough to get people in. Um, I feel the thing like I don't understand you have is, to be like, like P dot 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 maybe. Is that possible? No. How about I mean, soup to you pee, but P E A, pea soup. I, yeah, but that. I just. But don't urine know. and 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 poop is not. That's a tough ask to ask anyone to pay money to go to a restaurant that has the word poop in the title. I just don't know what kind of soup I would get as a meal. I'm like I overeat every time I eat, so maybe that's I'm my a, own stigma. But it's like the idea of getting. Like country like, vegetable soup. No, but it has meat in it. You what does you have? It. You gotta have meat in it. What Anything. is it? Like I mean, what are the what is like waiting for you at home? Chicken tortilla. Uh, I got a gumbo, like a sausage gumbo, yeah. and a baked potato, which actually does not have meat. So I'm. Sort I of love baked potatoes. What about like a nice like New England clam chowder? That's my dad's. A stuff. chili with some yeah. nice meat in it. Big hunks. Of, like, if you put an entire, steak. if you put a bunch of like meaty chili into a bread bowl, now we're talking. <laughs> I like uh, <laughs> I like the cream of chicken with wild rice at Panera. Have you ever had that? Yep. But especially you don't have it a lot when I go. No. If the bread bowl has like melted cheese, like dried melted cheese on the side, you know, I've never experienced. that. I feel that like we good. could get a soup sponsorship. Didn't someone tw- uh, tweet you guys and say that we should definitely have a sponsorship? Yeah. yeah. They said if, if Cleveland.com cannot sponsor. Oh, you were supposed to apologize for eating ice. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's another thing. <laughs> I have say, a sponsor. You apologize for eating ice. So we're all in Columbus. Um, I don't know. What do you think, if we had to, like, guess, the percentages of people who live in Columbus that live to this podcast are maybe 40%? Yeah. Maybe. I would hope so. I went to Pint House over the weekend. And, yes, it's a younger, rowdier place. But I ate a bread bowl filled with macaroni. Mm. So you want to talk about – I doubled down on the carbs already. <laughs> the bread bowl already is 500. I doubled there – right. no, there was no other nutrition in that except carbs. Yeah. Awesome. I felt like I was good. Do you think they want to sponsor us? Pint House uh, is an awesome place to get beer. Um, it turns into a nightclub at night, so it's probably not your scene. Um, but during the day, it's a cool patio place to drink beer and eat. They've got really good food, and I just I ate food. that. And I was like, what is the thing that can make me feel the worst about myself? And that was it, and it did. Plus, uh, sometimes uh, former Ohio State defensive tackle Chris Carter works the front door. For real? Yeah. Oh, we got to get him on the podcast. Maybe we can, he can get us a sponsorship. Every single time I'm in line and I've been drinking, he's the bouncer. Really? And, like, you've he's, seen my glossy eyes, like, you know, when I'm out. And, like, he's like, he knows who I am. And, yeah. like, every time I go to Pint House, like, I know it's a former Ohio State football player. So if I've been drinking a lot, I, like, as I'm going through the line, like, just lock it up just enough to not come across as unprofessional. But does he, like, give you a break? Does he, like... Let you in. I mean, everybody gets in. It's not like oh. it's yeah. He's like, not. He's not like taking cover. He's just checking oh, IDs. He's just checking IDs. But say, like, hey, he Ari. knows. He knows exactly. Yeah, because you remember we were filming our uh, yes. 
we were filming a video outside of the Woody, and he walked out when he was doing an internship with the Red Cross. I'll never yeah. forget. He gave me his business card. I still have it. I, I do, too. Uh, but I like yeah. Chris Carter. Yeah, Chris Carter's job gets increasingly more difficult at Pint House as the night goes on. Yeah, whenever For, you show up. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to get a Pint House sponsorship, and by sponsorship we mean three free macaroni bread bowls. Yep. And we're going to go and get Chris Carter on the they show. They have really good uh, chicken fingers there, too. So we got a one-star. We ask for reviews, and then we're going to get to the football questions because we know you guys love when we go off on tangents. When we had a one-star review on iTunes. I'm going to try to pull it up. Bill has been uh, encouraging people. You can go to iTunes and give us reviews, um, but we prefer the reviews. We appreciate all feedback. We prefer the reviews if they're positive. I was pretty uh, specific in saying five stars only, and someone didn't listen. And but if our not, podcast rating isn't better than Ohio State's average player ranking in the 2018 class, something's wrong. Yeah, we should do that. We should boom. We should start booming. That's how you can use your <laughs> waboom, Jeff. T- yeah, I'm every done t- doing it. I give up. Every that time was the last a- time I'm tweeting it at him. He's been tweeting of the waboom guy from Bachelor. What from what? The Bachelorette from the Bachelorette at Mark Pantoni. How many times? Four times now. Every time I know or I have a feeling Ohio State's going to get a commitment on that day, I just tweet at him. Here's this GIF if you need one today, man. He's no response, no favorites, no nothing. Just complete crickets. Wow. So I think I'm done. If you don't, if you don't want to take my, my GIF, then fine. Forget it, Mark. And you think, you think you're the graphics guy who would be a great college program builder. That would have been the first one. That I, it was like one of the things that was taking over the internet that week. It would have been so appropriate. I think they had a commitment when it happened. It was unbelievable. It was actually borderline irresponsible. Have you seen any other programs use the Waboom? Are other programs going boom? Texas, as we talked about. Um, the only so people we, I see doing booms are other Ohio State websites. <laughs> so we got a one-star review, and it was my fault. It's not the review's fault. It is my fault. I take responsibility for the one-star review. Do you have it pulled up, Bill? I do. Uh, the title to the review is Ice Chewing in the Mic? Question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, question mark. <laughs> and it's a guy who always constantly... Before we do our podcasts, every time he goes, all right, guys, this is the game plan. We've got to have our volume to this level. The, the guy that is more cognizant than the, neither Bill or I are, of making sure that it sounds good is the one who's chewing down hard ice like a savage into the microphone. Yeah. It's just ironic the way things work out in life. And, and, so read what it said, Bill. Okay, he says, uh, worst podcast since ATN, and I don't know what that is, but he says, worst pos- podcast since ATN where they excessively use mouth-chewing drops. And he says he's acknowledging that serious error in judgment and professionalism. I will happily change this review and what it represents to me personally with assurances that chewing loudly or speaking with a mouthful of ice won't be repeated. For real? And can he you said change? he changed it to can five you, stars. Can you I don't know it? if that's possible. Well, he, he can come back and we, – we don't even need – I think this review should stand as a reminder to me. But if that person yeah. could come back and add a second review based on content and entertainment value, not based on chewing. Because you haven't chewed today. Yeah. I would appreciate that. But I stand corrected and I apologize. Have either of you guys rated it? I thought it was valid. I've Rate our own know. podcast? Yeah. Is like that under a fake name? You yeah. could do that if you wanted to. I'm going to do that. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's get to some questions. Okay. I've got some really about. good ones that aren't recruiting. Okay. okay. Fire one off. I think this one's good. This one's from Dietz. At O-H underscore D-I-E-T-Z underscore I-O. What's the one position on the entire Ohio State football team that they could most ill afford losing a starter? 
to well, injury. It's funny because, like I was thinking about this the other day, I have not thought about the roster that much lately. Because there's not really been a reason to. It's the offseason, so now I'm trying to rack my brain for, like, what the roster is. Because, like, usually, it's quarterback. Quarterback. <laughs> But that would open up an awesome discussion <laughs> if one of you thinks that it's... could lose two quarterbacks and still be okay. He thinks it's center because the offensive line depth is a concern, and I think obviously if you're going to... I don't want to separate center from offensive line. I think we should go position group, um, quarterback, wide receiver, running back, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, secondary. Um, so I'm... can't just say Billy Price. I mean, clearly. I mean, he's one of the best players right. on their team and centers... A, but. I think we should separate it from offensive line. And I think that defensive line is the most sustainable pl- position. Uh, secondary has a lot of options, though there's not a lot of youth. Or, I mean, there's a ton of youth um, and not a lot of experience. I think they have a lot of options. Right. I would maybe argue running back. Or receiver. I would not say receiver. I would say receiver. What about linebacker? Because it feels like they have three... Established linebackers who are set to start now in Worley, uh, Booker, and Baker. Baker. And behind that, they have a lot of guys who have never played. But some of the guys who we didn't see in the spring are guys who are going to be there in the fall, like Malik Harrison and other guys that we think are ready to play, just haven't been given the chance yet. But at the moment, they have, even though Booker hasn't really played, Booker prepared all last year to be a starter and earned a starting job and then got hurt early in the year. I don't think anybody thinks of themselves like Dante Booker can't do it. I feel like they're really set at linebacker. And if one of those three guys got – but it's hard. Here's the thing that's hard. Last year, Dante Booker got hurt, and it's like, oh, what are they going to do? And it's like, oh, they're going to put Jerome Baker in, and he's going to be like all Big Ten. Yeah. So probably Malik Harrison or who's the other guy that was out? Baron Browning. Baron Browning, who's a freshman, or somebody like that would probably step in and do a good job. So I don't know. I mean I think part, to the, part of your point is there might not be one. Because they have five stars stacked up, but like so if they, they could lost, lose anybody, I know if I'll they say, lost Mike Weber, I think that they might be. I mean, I guess the question is about overall depth, and not so much about player, individual player. Like, you, I don't want to go down the list and say which well, player can they the least thing. afford, but like the experience at running backs week right now, I, and I think. Ask, but if they so say Mike Weber has a, an injury that, say he's out for an extended period of time, right? I would hand it to Demario McCall. I think. Yeah, I mean, you've seen he was an H. We think right now, but was it running back in the spring? And I think Demario McCall would be fine. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I look at the rot, and that's called roster building. I mean, that's the whole point. It's the reason I spend forty hours a week thinking about recruiting. Is those this discussion is difficult? How but about? Can I put out an individual offensive lineman that's yes, not Billy Price? I agree with you, Jamarco Jones, yep. who I think like might actually be Ohio State's best player on the offensive side of the football. Is that crazy to say? Billy Price is an All-American, a first-team All-American, and will be a candidate for the Remington Award last year. I think Jamarco Jones got overlooked last year, was still second-team All-Big Ten, I mean, and anytime. like was so valuable that they didn't even play him in the spring game out of fear of losing him. He's the most important player on their offensive line. I, th- I think I that think. anytime there is somebody being projected as a potential first-round <laughs> pick, I know that these are early and we've had our opinions about whether they mean anything or not, but people think it's a potential that Jamarco Jones could be in the top 15 next year. How could what you're saying be crazy? Right. And, I'm not, like, and, and Billy I, Price is not replaceable. Certainly not replaceable. But you can shuffle some parts around yeah. if you lose Billy Price. If you lose Jamarco Jones at left tackle, I don't know what you do. And it's just premium position. Yeah. I mean, we saw what happened when they had trouble at right tackle last year. If something happened and they had as much uncertainty at left tackle as they had at right tackle last year, 
and it would only magnify it by being at left tackle, they would be in trouble. Yeah. Them having trouble at right tackle basically was probably one of the number one reasons they lost the game they lost in the regular season and was like the number one thing people were talking about going into the playoff of, of what, what's this game going to come down to. And then Isaiah Prince played pretty decently, didn't he? Against in that game, yeah, but that's what we were talking hard. about because that's how important it was mm-hmm. for him to play better, and he did. So it's an inter- interesting question. Thank you for the discussion. Okay, do we want more questions from me, or do you guys have them? I have one. Okay, um, and this could be quick, I guess, because we I just we haven't talked about it in a long time. Um, Scott Ravita asked on Twitter, um, "Who do we think is going to be starting at the skill positions week one against Indiana?" So that's running back, H back, and the two and two receiver slots. I think we all agree Mike Weber is a starting running back. Starting H, we all think Paris Campbell, I'm assuming. Yeah. Start, said, starting H and the two starting receivers, I think, are the interesting part of that conversation. Right. So, I think we all think Paris Campbell, yeah. right? And then receivers, we would say what? Terry McLaurin? I think McLaurin has one lockdown for sure. Maybe not. That might be too strong, but yeah. And the others, Benjamin Victor? Or maybe K.J. Hill. I don't know. I, I think the, I think that I'm leaning towards Victor because Victor played more as the season went on. He's a unique body style. He caught a pass in the playoff, and that's just what you're waiting for. You and know, they were the younger guy. Yeah, they were kind of uh, like negging him a little bit in the spring, like saying he wasn't quite handling everything the way he should be, and then he wasn't um, always with the first team receivers. And I think that means that he's going to be a first-team receiver. In the I think ball. that makes sense. Yeah. And I think it's one of those where I think they got to roll the dice a little bit with the receivers and not just play the three most experienced guys who would be Campbell, McLaurin, and Hill. I think at one of the spots, you've got to take a shot and say, we got to try to play somebody who can make a play, who has a little more upside. And you know what? Say Ben – and I, you know, we're just talking. We all, I think we all think Ben Victor's – has the chance to be a very good Ohio State football player. Mm-hmm. Let's say Ben Victor comes out and is terrible at blocking and drops three pl- three passes in the opener. Then you can play KJ Hill against Oklahoma. But I would take a shot at Ben Victor in the opener. Yeah, which is the question, right? Yeah. yeah, and the one thing I wanted to add uh, because it's news uh, a little bit is that uh, Trayvon Grimes is back to sprinting, and I think that um, of all the receiver prospects that I've seen over the course of the past few years that he's probably the most complete one when healthy. Right, Bill? Do you agree with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was kind of who I thought might be a dark horse for some playing time. And I know we don't want to play the freshman game. Every year we do it. Uh, and we remind ourselves that it's not going to happen. But he was – he's big, strong, and very talented. And I think he might have been able to push some people if he didn't tear his ACL. But I just wanted to mention in the podcast, just so you guys know, that he's back to running full speed and will be ready to go in the fall. And, but the one thing is, again, you've made some comparisons to his ACL recovery, to Nick Bosa's ACL recovery along the way, um, which have been good comparisons. And Nick Bosa was limited. I mean, like Nick Bosa didn't never took on a full role and I'm not, in part because they were being careful. So the surgery I, was done by different doctors. The rehab uh, was overlooked by the same therapist. I don't know what the difference between cutting as a receiver would be to load bearing as a pass rusher. And I don't know if there's any similarities between whether or not you're able to play those different positions with that injury, but their injuries occurred on the same week of the season. They had surgery on the same like rough, rough date and they basically had the same rehab plan. Right. So, okay. All right. Anything else? Uh, I have one more question. 
Is there a this is from Mr. J Poe on Twitter, John J Poe Phillips. Is there a player on this team that we think <clears throat> could win a national award, either a position one or the Heisman Trophy? Um, and it can just be a quick answer. We don't have to go too deep into that. But I think Billy Price is like, if Pat Elfine won the Remington Award, and people, I think, think Billy Price might be a little bit better than Pat Elfine. I think he's uh, a better athlete. Better athlete. Um, it would make sense to me that he's a legitimate candidate for the Remington again. Outside of that, I have no idea. And you've written, I think you've written before about like Ohio State's lack of national awards. Yeah, I mean it's pretty stunning. Elfline, when he won last year, was the first guy who had won something like that um, since Malcolm Jenkins and James Laurinaitis in 2008. And you think about all the great players that came through. It's like Joey Bosa never really won anything. Ezekiel Elliott didn't win anything. They were up for a lot of stuff, but they never quite like Joey Bosa. I think. Is it the Ted Hendricks Award? Is like the Defensive End Award, but he lost out on some stuff to Carl Nassib, I think. He lost. He was out for the Lombardi Award, and he lost that. So um, it's hard, man. It is hard. They have become really good at pumping out NFL players, but it's hard to win that stuff. I mean, I think, uh, I think their defensive ends, and they have four really good ones, would be in the mix for those kind of defensive if, awards. If one of those guys is like approaching double digit sacks, then. Then yeah, I think so. But. And I know the uh, the high. There was some. There's always Heisman odds out. I think JT might be like fourth or fifth. He's and that's not, just based he's on not going to win the Heisman. It, I mean, it's like just, it's it's just fine. based on him being the quarterback at Ohio State. And I've written. I remember I wrote a thing one time, whatever many years ago, with Terrell Pryor that if you are, I mean, it just holds true for any big program. If you are the quarterback at a big time program that has a great record, you're a Heisman candidate. Mm-hmm. But he's not going to win, so I don't I don't know what to tell you. And I, I feel like it's impossible to win the Thorpe Award. Uh, <laughs> not that there's anybody on this team right now that I would say is on the watch list, but if you look at the defensive backs who um, have come through here the last few years and all the first round picks, uh, I don't even know is Marshawn Lattimore even a finalist for the Thorpe last no. year. Um, so I know there's a lot of people thinking that Kendall Sheffield might be a really good corner, but I don't know if there's anybody in the secondary that would be even close to being up for that one. Who is uh, what's the new punter's name? Drew Chrisman. Uh, Bank it. He's not from Australia, dude. Just drop if it. he's not a Ray Guy Award finalist, Ohio State's gonna have a tough season. Wow. He might only punt like eleven times the whole year. Right? I don't care. All right, is there anything else? That's all I had. Anything else from you? All right, that's gonna do, be it for uh, Buckeye Talk. Bill Landis, Ari Wasserman, Doug Maurice. Follow us on Twitter at Ari Wasserman, at Doug Maurice, at Bill Landis25. You can subscribe to this on iTunes. We have our own separate deal. Just look for Buckeye Talk on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher. You can go to SoundCloud and find us. Or you can always just uh, look on cleveland.com slash OSU, where we put up these fresh, hot podcasts every week. Um, we appreciate you guys listening. Lots of basketball stuff with the hiring of uh, Chris Holtman. So we'll have, uh, we have a lot of stories up on that. We'll have continued coverage of that. Um, there's some recruiting camps coming up, right, Ari? That's Tuesday. ahead. Oh. So look for that. Look for some recruiting coverage. And then, of course, anything happening with the Ohio State football team, Cleveland.com is the place for you. So for Ari and Bill, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk.